You are listening to The Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Hello, Martin. thank you for tuning into The Pregnancy Podcast. I want to thank Aeroflow for their support of this episode. Aeroflow is the company to go to to get help getting a breast pump through your health insurance. Aeroflow doesn't charge you anything for this service, and they are going to make the whole process so easy for you. To get started, go to PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash breast pump. I'd also like to thank Zoller for their support of this episode. Zoller makes my favorite prenatal vitamin. And you can get 25% off a one-month supply on Amazon. For details on that, go to PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash resources, and you can check out the promo code and the links and everything on the resources page. Last week, we talked about some common pregnancy sleep issues, things like snoring and waking up to have to go to the bathroom all the time, and we went through how to treat each of those individual issues. This week, we're really talking about getting better sleep and things that you can do to increase both the quality and the quantity of your sleep. This is stuff that's going to help you right now when you're pregnant, but it's also things that are going to help your whole family sleep better and definitely help you sleep better after baby and for the rest of your life. Sleep is so critical, and it's not just the key to waking up feeling well-rested in the morning, but quality sleep is also going to improve your focus and productivity, it reduces your stress, and overall improves your health. When you sleep, your body's in an anabolic state, which means that your body is building up things like your immune system, which you know is really important at any life stage, but especially during your pregnancy. Put simply, sleep gives your body and your brain a chance to repair and rebuild. I am a big fan of Sean Stevenson, who has spent a good part of his career focusing on sleep. Sean is the host of the Model Health Show podcast, and last year he released a book called Sleep Smarter that has had a major impact on my habits around sleep, and I'll link to that in the show notes. It's a really, really good read and was a big resource for this episode. And a lot of the things that I have learned about sleep, I learned from Sean. So I want to make sure to give him credit because he really is the sleep master. I am going to go through a lot of tips that will improve your sleep. I encourage you to try all of them or at least a few. And I know that it's going to help you get better quality sleep, both when you're pregnant and at any other stage during your life. The time from getting pregnant through the first few years of your baby's life is such a huge learning curve where you're figuring out what works for you and your baby and your family. You're adjusting to new demands and new schedules. I do encourage you, you're going to have to have some flexibility for these short phases that you are going through, especially with a newborn and a toddler and the coming changes to your family in the next few years. So I know that it's not realistic to get a perfect night of sleep every single night, but there's definitely some things you can do to increase your sleep. One of the biggest things that you can do is to really get your light dialed in. So let me explain what I mean by that. First, you know, light signals our body that it's time to wake up. We were built to sleep at night when it's dark and be awake during the day when it's light. Sunshine helps your body produce melatonin, which is a hormone that's involved in your sleep cycles. 
So in order to set this up, you want to get outside in the morning and not by a window inside. You want to get outside in natural light. That light is going to help tell your body that it's time to wake up and assist in regulating your biological clock. When you're shooting for this, you're going to be shooting for between 6 a.m. and 8.30 a.m. ideally, and just go for a short walk outside. You can sit outside and enjoy a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. If you are working, I know that this is not the most convenient thing to do if you're trying to get to your job early in the morning, but give it a shot or even try it on the weekends. These tips will help, but at the same time, I get that they have to work with your lifestyle. A huge thing you can do that will help your sleep is to get away from electronic screens before bed. Because did you know that the blue light that's emitted from your phone or your computer screen is having a major effect on your sleep? That blue light is telling your body to produce more cortisol and other daytime hormones. And Okay, obviously, daytime hormones are not going to help you sleep. The best solution is to turn off your devices an hour before you go to bed. And by devices, I mean phones, TVs, laptops, iPads, anything with a screen. And you might be wondering, well, what am I going to do for an hour before I go to bed? You could read a book and talk to your partner I know that we're so dependent on our devices, me included. This is one that I still struggle with because I'm often on my laptop at night after my son goes to sleep. But I am working on this habit to be better about unplugging sooner before bed. If you absolutely cannot turn your phone or computer off, the next best solution is to use a blue light blocker. Apple released this in their software update last year, and it's called Night Shift. And if you have an iPhone, it can change the color temperature of your screen to cut down on blue light. And you can have this set automatically every day so that as nighttime approaches, your phone automatically shifts to use less blue light. And to find that, you just go to Settings, Display and Brightness, and then Night Shift. If you have an Android, there are several apps that perform this same function. Sorry, I don't have an Android, so I'm not going to be a whole lot of help here. But if you just search blue light blocker, you should be able to find an app that's going to do essentially the same thing. There's also a free program for your computer that does this called Flux. That's F dot L-U-X. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes, or you can just Google F dot L-U-X. These solutions are not as perfect as turning off your phone, but they're definitely better than nothing. And while it may not completely eliminate the blue light, it should at least lessen the effects. Another thing that you can do to improve your sleep is to make it really dark in the room that you're sleeping in. I know that we've talked about light when you're awake and how it can disrupt your sleep, but what about light when you're actually sleeping? Light can and will disrupt your sleep. Best case scenario, you are sleeping in a room that is completely pitch black. An eye mask can help with this because you're going to see less light, but even your skin has receptors that can detect light. So you really want to get as much light out of your room as possible. One of the best solutions is to put blackout curtains in your bedroom to keep any outside light from coming in. These are, think about the curtains when you go stay in a hotel room and it can get super pitch black, right? That's what you're going for. 
You also want to try and eliminate any sources of light in your room, like alarm clocks, night lights, light emitted from chargers and phones. When you are setting up your room to be a really good sleep environment, you want it to be calm and relaxing. It really should be your sleep sanctuary. Do not bring your laptop and your work to bed. You're going to want to train your brain that your bedroom is for sleeping and for sex, and that's it. Reading a book in bed, meditating, and anything else you do to relax, definitely encouraged. But just please do not sit in bed doing work on your laptop. Your sleep sanctuary may go through some changes with a new baby coming. You may have your little one in your room. And of course, you're going to need to make whatever adjustments are best for you and your family. But overall, anything that you can do to create a calm and relaxing environment is going to help you sleep better. Getting rid of EMFs might also help you sleep better at night. EMFs are electromagnetic fields, and these are given off by electronic devices. Your brain, nerves, digestion, heart, these are all electrically active, and these processes can be thrown off by EMFs. Best solution is to get all electronics out of your room. Put the charger to your phone or your laptop in another room, and don't even bring it to the bedroom with you. One big source of EMFs is Wi-Fi. If you have a Wi-Fi modem in your house, turn it off at night or put it on a timer that automatically goes off when about the time you go to bed and goes back on in the morning. And if you absolutely cannot get your phone out of your room because maybe you use it as an alarm clock, you can put it on airplane mode so it's cutting down on the EMFs from your phone because it's not sending and receiving that Wi-Fi signal. I hope that you are finding these tips helpful, and I have several more to go through with you, but really quick, I just want to shoot out a huge thank you to the sponsors that help support this episode. A few years ago when I was pregnant, I spent hours coordinating with my insurance company and medical device companies trying to get a breast pump covered through my health insurance. In the end, it all worked out, but it was a huge ordeal. Luckily for you, Aeroflow is a company that is going to handle all of this on your behalf. They call your insurance company and figure out all the details like how much you qualify for and when your insurance will approve shipping a pump to you. They're going to get in touch with your doctor or midwife to get all the paperwork that they need for the insurance to cover the pump. And then they're going to get in touch with you to help you pick out the right breast pump for your needs. I really wish that this was around back when I spent hours going through this process. Aeroflow carries all of the major brands like Medela, Spectra, and Evenflow. Most insurance companies will cover a pump about a month before your due date, but you don't need to wait to get this process started. You can knock it off your list anytime during your pregnancy. To get started and check this item off your to-do list, you can go to pregnancypodcast.com forward slash breast pump. You could easily spend hours comparing prenatal vitamins to try and find the right one for you. There are a lot of brands out there. I have done significant research and several episodes on prenatal vitamins and the contents of them. And I've also personally tried a lot of different brands, and there's one that really stands out that I really like, and that is the Prenatal Plus DHA from Zoller. 
They make a really high quality prenatal that includes the active form of folate that in my research I've found to be preferable over folic acid. And very few prenatal vitamins go through the trouble to put this in their vitamin. And the Zoller prenatal has omega-3s and DHA. So it's going to eliminate the need to take a separate DHA or omega-3 supplement. Hands down, this is my recommendation for a prenatal vitamin. And you can save some money when you buy it. You can get 25% off a one-month supply when you buy them on Amazon, which is already the cheapest place to find them online. I will put a link to the vitamins with the promo code, which is prepod25 in the show notes, and it's also on the resources page of the website. Okay, now let's get back to some tips that are going to help you sleep better. Your body's core temperature drops when you're sleeping. So the ideal room temperature for sleeping is going to be about 68 degrees Fahrenheit or about 20 degrees Celsius. And I know this can be challenging in the summer months. The last couple of months here in Southern California have been really warm. And if you do not have an air conditioner, I know this can be a challenge. But winter is coming. If you can set your thermostat lower so that the temperature of your home and your bedroom are lower, that would be great. Other things that you can do to adjust the temperature that you will have control over, even if you don't have an air conditioner, are the amount of sheets and blankets on your bed, what you wear to bed, and you can also use a fan to help cool the room off. When you have a new baby, keep in mind babies are not supposed to sleep with blankets. So the temperature of the room, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, should be at a comfortable temperature. Which wasn't as helpful as I was looking. I was actually looking for a specific number. And unfortunately, they don't give that. They just say that it should be at a comfortable temperature. And in general, you want to dress your baby in no more than one extra layer than you would wear. If you want to see the recommendations for the safe infant sleeping environment from the American Academy of Pediatrics, I'll link to it in the show notes. And this topic in itself should probably be an entire episode in the future. So I will keep that in mind. I know that creating a safe sleep environment for your little one can be kind of stressful. So ideally for you, you're looking for about 68 degrees Fahrenheit, 20 degrees Celsius. And if you think that a more comfortable temperature might be a degree or a few degrees warmer, then you can certainly do that when you have a sleeping baby to be concerned about as well. Exercise and sleep are probably much more linked than you realize. There's a relationship where exercise is going to help you sleep, and the quality of sleep that you're getting is also going to help you get more out of your exercise. So let me explain what I mean by that. First, exercise reduces stress, which ultimately is going to help you get better sleep at night. And if you get outside to exercise in the morning, even going for a walk, you're going to knock two things out. Remember, we talked about getting exposure to natural light in the morning. Plus, you're going to get that workout in. Early morning exercise is ideal to help you sleep at night rather than working out later in the day. And exercise is actually going to give you more energy during the day. And who doesn't want that? So ultimately, it's going to give you more energy during the day, you're going to feel better, and it's going to help you sleep better at night. The other point that I wanted to hit is that it's going to be really difficult to get the best results from your workouts, especially if you are trying to lose weight, 
if your sleep is suffering. Weight loss is not a priority when you're pregnant. And after your baby's born, I know that there can be a lot of pressure to quote unquote lose the baby weight. But please give yourself some time. You're going to have so many things to focus on with a new baby. You do not need to be focused on losing all of that weight right away. If you do hit a point when you would like to lose weight, it will be easier if your sleep is dialed in. Studies have shown that sleep deprivation is linked to an inability to lose weight. So just something to keep in mind for a future down the road part of your life. Putting yourself on a schedule for sleeping can really help you get in the habit of sleeping more, and it's really going to set up your sleep to be more consistent. Plus, scheduling your sleep, specifically scheduling the time that you're going to bed, is going to make it more of a priority and makes it easier to go to sleep when you're tempted to stay up later because you're looking at the clock going, okay, it's my bedtime. I know how busy you are, especially when preparing for a new baby, but you really should set a time to go to bed every night at the same time. And of course, when you were pregnant, you have higher sleep requirements. You may be wanting to go to bed at 7 p.m. And you know what? That is completely okay. If you think that you need extra sleep, by all means, go to sleep earlier. And if you have a separate schedule on weekends, then on the weekdays, that's also going to ultimately disrupt your sleep. Ideally, you want to go to bed and wake up about the same time every day. Like I said, this is not always going to be ideal. I get it. When you're pregnant, things are kind of out of whack. And then when you have a new baby, it can be almost impossible to have yourself on a sleep schedule, especially in those first few weeks and months. You're going to have to have room for flexibility in certain stages in your life, like during your pregnancy and after your baby's born. But at the times when you can control it, it is best to put yourself on a schedule. Another thing that can help with this is going to be developing a bedtime routine for yourself. This is something that we do for our kids. When we create a bedtime routine for a child, the whole point is that all of these steps that we're taking are signaling to our baby or our child that it is time to sleep. This isn't something that only benefits us when we're really young, but it can also benefit us as adults. A bedtime routine can be anything you want it to be, whatever works with your schedule, with your lifestyle. Maybe it starts an hour before you go to bed when you turn off your electronic devices. It could be doing some reading, putting pajamas on, washing your face, brushing and flossing your teeth. I mean, you get the point. It's just all of those things that you do before you climb into bed. And when you start making this a habit, this routine is going to trigger your brain that it's time to go to sleep. And ultimately, a bedtime routine is going to help you sleep. When you start making this a habit, this routine is going to trigger to your brain that it is time to go to sleep when you're going through these steps each night. If you like to take a bath or shower before bed, keep in mind that a warm bath and a warm shower can raise your body temperature a degree or two. And remember, we talked about your core body temperature dropping at night. If you take a bath or shower before bed, you're going to want to try and time that about an hour and a half to two hours before you go to sleep. That way, your body has plenty of time to cool off. And that's also going to help your body settle into that lower temperature, which is ideal for sleeping. 
A bath is often a big component of bedtime routines for kids, and it works well for adults too. And if a bath isn't your thing, you could also do a shower. Just keep in mind that timing. It really, you really want it to be about two hours or more before you're going to sleep. And if you don't like showering before bed, you prefer to do it in the morning, that's totally fine too. Remember that this is all about finding what works best for you. I do want to mention caffeine and alcohol, even though this isn't going to really apply to you during your pregnancy. Maybe this is a tip that could be useful for your partner or a tip for you when you are not pregnant. So I did do episodes on both caffeine and alcohol during pregnancy, and I'll link to those in the show notes if you miss them and you want to know what the research says about caffeine and alcohol during pregnancy. But as far as sleeping, you should really cut off caffeine in the afternoon. You want to set a curfew for yourself. So set a time like 4 o'clock p.m., And after four o'clock, you're not going to have anything with caffeine. Everyone processes caffeine a little bit differently, and you may find that you're really sensitive to caffeine and your cutoff time needs to be earlier. I know that four o'clock might seem really early if you don't go to bed for another six hours, like until 10, but caffeine can still affect your sleep. So you want to make sure to cut it off early. The other thing is the whole myth about a nightcap. Alcohol might make you fall asleep faster, but it decreases your REM sleep and it's going to interrupt your sleep cycles later in the night. Plus, it's really dehydrating. Even though it may seem like a nightcap will help your sleep, it really will not. The time from getting pregnant through those first few years of your baby's life is a huge learning curve. And you're really going to be figuring out what works for your family. You're going to be adjusting to new demands and new schedules. I really encourage you to please give yourself room for flexibility. These are short phases that you're going to be going through, especially with a newborn and even when you have a toddler. And the changes coming to your family in the next few years may present some challenges to things like your family getting a lot of good sleep. If you are having major issues with your sleep, this is always a good topic to bring up with your doctor or midwife. I personally am a fan of trying to get some other things dialed in before turning to medications. Of course, you need to make that decision for yourself. But a lot of the medications are not compatible with pregnancy. So that may not be something that's an option for you when you're pregnant. To recap today's episode, we went through a pile of tips that are going to help you get more sleep and better quality sleep. And not just during your pregnancy, but these are things that can be applied at any point during your life and tips that can help your partner and anyone else in your family sleep better. I want to thank you for tuning into the pregnancy podcast today. I hope that you find this episode helpful. As always, you can contact me, Vanessa, at PregnancyPodcast.com. You can find notes and resources for this episode at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 103.